Welcome to the Crazy Love Podcast. Do you ever get insecure about the things that other people can do, but you're just not good at? In this classic message, Francis Chan focuses on a passage from the book of Jeremiah that changed his life, and he challenges us to understand this truth, that before God even made you, he knew exactly what he would make you for. You know, I, I equate it to if, if you went to watch a football game, what if you went and you saw the Green Bay Packers playing football and, and Brett Favre comes and he calls the team together and they huddle up, he calls a, pl- a play and then they go, break, and they all run to the bench. And they sit there for 30 seconds, they come back and go, okay, I got a better play. Okay, we're going to do this, 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 break, and then they go to the bench. After a while, you're going to get pretty tired of that. But the truth is, I believe that's what the American church looks like. We get together Sunday morning, and and the pastor calls a play and says, hey, here's what we're going to do this week. Here's what we're going to do. And then no one does it. They go, I can't wait to huddle again next week. Let's get back in the huddle. And you guys, man, that's the last thing we want of this conference. For it to be a time where we call all these plays and say, here's what we're going to do, and we all break, and we go, I can't wait till next year where we huddle again. You guys, this is just a huddle. We wonder why the world sometimes looks at Christians and goes, I'm just not attracted to that. It's because they're tired of watching us huddle. They want to see us play ball. They want us to take the word of God and go and do something with it. And so I pray that's exactly what we do as we leave here. You know, in, in the program, it says that I have, I have two kids. Um, that was written like 18 months ago. I now have four. Um, we, uh, yeah, things are good in my home. Um, we, we have four kids. And I remember my oldest girl, Rachel, my oldest girl, when she was a little kid, um, when she was like three or four, I, I just loved her so much, and I made the ultimate sacrifice for her. I, I bought her a cat. Um, and I say sacrifice because I, I just, I, I just can't, I can't stand them. And, and, and I, but I saw every time she was around a cat, she just would light up. And I remember one day, you know, just, just coming home and go, honey, I got something for you. And I pull this thing out. And, you know, and she's just ecstatic. She's jumping up and down. She's hugging me. Thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Daddy. You know, she puts it in her little shopping cart and walks it around the house. She dresses it up, just loves this cat. And I go, man, I'm the greatest dad in the world. You know, just feeling on top of the world. You know, I, I love, my favorite time of day was, uh, was every day when I drive home and the garage door would open. My little girl would hear the garage door opening and she'd come darting out of the house and before I could even get out of the car, she would just jump into my lap, and she would not just hug me, but she would squeeze on my neck, and not just kiss me, but like suck on my cheek, and just go, Daddy, I love you, I love you, I love you, you know? And, and, and I just love those moments, and so for me to buy her this little cat was no big deal. It's like, I, I just, I'm just crazy about this girl, right? Well, after I buy her the cat, I, I get home the next day, the garage door opens, no one runs out. And I go, oh, maybe she didn't hear it, you know. <laughs> so I go, and Rach, where are you? You know, no answer. I walk back to her room. I go, I go, baby, what are you doing? She goes, playing with my cat. <laughs> now, I never liked the cat. <laughs> but now it's like, are you kidding me? You know, daddy's home. It's dad. You know, when they gave you that dumb thing. You know, it's, it's me. And... Uh, 
it was so hard because it was like, well, the very thing I gave her out of my love for her became the thing that took all of my affection away. And um, so I, I got rid of the cat. <laughs> I mean, it, it scratched her. I was like, oh, no one scratches my daughter. We're getting rid of it. <laughs> and, uh, and my aunt had this potluck, so we took it to... Uh, hey, I see a lot of Asians here. You know what I'm talking about. It's like, we'll, we'll, we'll do anything. Okay. But, um, but I, I think about that and, uh, and that feeling I had when something took that affection away from my little girl. And, and I, I think about God as our Father and how sometimes He gives me these things that I just love, I thank Him for, I just praise Him for. But so often it takes so much of my affection away from Him. And as pastors, as ministers, ministry becomes that cat. You know, that God gives you this calling and pretty soon it's your affection, your love, and you just want to do it all the time. But my question is, is when's the last time you just put the cat down and just ran into the arms of your heavenly father, put your arms around his neck, just squeezed him, just kissed him on the face, and just said, Daddy, I love you. It's you that I love. All this other stuff, this congregation, this Bible study, these people in my life, these relationships, even my wife, my kids, you know it's all secondary. Thank you for these gifts, but I love you. Are you in love with Jesus right now? Are you just absolutely crazy about him? Not ministry, not, not in a hurry to go out here and implement all this stuff. Are you in love with him? Are you passionately in love with him? When's the last time you just went up to him and just loved on him and said, I, I, I love you. I don't want anything right now. I just love you. For everything in my life, I am so crazy about you. Because you remember, you know, when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said, serve me. No, it's not what he said. What is the greatest command? He says, love me. Love me. In fact, he tells that church in Ephesus in Revelation 2, he, he says, if you don't love me, if you've forsaken your first love, he goes, you better get back to that first love. He goes, or I'll remove this lampstand from its place. I'll remove your church. I'd rather your church not exist than to have this church that's doing a lot of the right things, but they don't love me anymore. Man, I tell you, man, my kids, I love the fact that they obey me. I love the fact that they do things when I ask them to do something. They do things that I don't even have to ask them. I, I love that. I, and they respect me. They love each other. I love all those things. But nothing compares to those times when I come home and they just jump on my lap and cuddle with me and kiss me and tell me how much they love me. Man, that, that, that's, that's the blessing of being a father. Is God receiving that type of blessing from you as his child? Are you so busy, just so in love with your ministry and your hobbies and your family and friends that you don't have time just to come before the Father and just love Him with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind? You know, I, I went through this time where I started to think, you know, I, I will make statements in front of my congregation and I'll say, you know, I love God more than anyone. I love Him more than anything on this earth. And then I began to think about my words. And I thought... You know, I say that, but it's interesting. I love my wife, so every year I make sure I get away with her, just her and I. 
Uh, like right now, you know, the four kids are with grandma, and, 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 and just Lisa and I came out alone. And it's like, it's so good. I make sure every year because I love her and I want that time alone. I'll even take my girls on trips with me when I go speak somewhere. I'll take one girl, you know, make sure at least I get, get one of my kids with me and just to hang out and have that bonding time. Why? Because I love them. And I thought to myself, you know, I've never, if I love God, how come I've never been on vacation with him? Seriously. If I really love him, I don't think I've spent a 24-hour day period alone with God. Just to be alone with him. See, I like to be with my wife in a place where no one knows us and no one can get to us. And it's just, like, it's just her and I, and we can have some time together. And it's like, why aren't I doing that with God? Have I ever taken a vacation with God? And I remember just saying, you know what, that's it. I'm just going to get in my car, I'm going to go. I'm just going to go off in the woods, and I'm just going to spend some time alone with God. And, and, and I didn't know where the woods were, because I'm a city boy, so I called my friend, hey, where's the woods? And... Uh, <laughs> And he took me up there. He took me to these, it's, it's up in the, 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 by the sequoias up there in California where I live. And uh, he says, go back here. He's showing me these spots. No one will see you back here. You're all alone. If you die, no one will find you. You know, here. And I go, that's what I'm looking for. I don't want anyone to find me. And, but I remember him praying on the way there. He goes, he goes Lord, I pray for Francis. I, I know he's been so looking forward to this time alone with you. Then he said this in his prayer. He goes, and Father, I know how much you've been looking forward to this time. And when he prayed that, it didn't feel right to me. I thought, God's not up there going, ooh, I hope Francis gets alone with me. That's God. It just didn't sit well, that prayer. And so the time that I spent up there, I'm looking through scripture going, man, that, that can't be right. God wants this time with me. And the more I looked at the scriptures, the more I saw, yeah, that, that's what a father wants. As a father, wouldn't he love to see all of his children pull away, pull away from their lives and everything else and just come to him? You know, could you imagine on this little planet, all these people just getting away from their busy lives, their ministries and everything else and just coming before their creator and go, God, it's just you and me. I just wanted to come here, spend some time with you and tell you how much I love you. I'm crazy about you. And how God desires that and wants that. It was so powerful to me. I just grabbed my Bible, some water, and just went up in the hills, went up in the mountains for four days. Didn't see a human. I saw one hiker and I like ran the other way because I just didn't want to talk to anyone. I just wanted to be alone with God, just to love him. And there's a passage of scripture Oh, that God kept taking me back to, I want to share with you, because it transformed my life. It's Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1, I don't even know why I turned there while I was up there, but I, I just read a few words, and I couldn't get off it. I remember sitting next to the stream, and you know, just spending time with the Lord, I read these verses, and I just kept reading them over and over again all day. It kind of became my theme for those few days out there with him. But, but Jeremiah, when he was called by the Lord, he says this. God says this to Jeremiah in verse 5 of chapter 1. God says to him, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Think about that. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Do you believe that about yourself? Think about this. This is heavy. 
God knew you before he formed you? Because he goes on, he says, before you were born, I already set you apart and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. This is crazy. God says to Jeremiah, look, before I even made you, I already knew you. I already knew what I was making. And before you came out of your mother's womb, I already appointed, I already declared, I already said, this is going to be my prophet to the nations. He's the one that's going to go to Israel. He's the one that's going to speak to them. He goes, that was before I even made you in, my mother's, in your mother's womb. And I thought, God, could that be true of me? That you knew me before you made me? And you had plans for my life before I even came out of my mother's womb? And maybe this passage means more to me because, uh, because those who know my testimony know my mom died giving birth to me. She died when she delivered me. And so I read this verse and I go, so God, you knew, you knew my mom was going to die and you, but you made me because you had a work for me to do here on this earth. And before I even came out of her womb, you already decided, no, he's going to be here. He, there are these things I need him to do. I made him for these things. You know, sometimes we'll look at a passage like that, like I did, and I think, well, it, maybe that was just Jeremiah. You know, he was a prophet, everything else. And so as I say the scriptures, Ephesians 2.10 says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God determined beforehand that we should walk in them. He says, we, not just Jeremiah, we are his workmanship. We were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he determined beforehand. Before I was even born, he had plans for me. He knew me. He made me for these plans. It's we. Who's that we refer to? Well, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. We have been saved by grace through faith, not by works. So those of us who have been saved by grace through faith, he says we're actually his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. There's a plan for our lives. He thought about what he was making. And this whole idea of workmanship, some say that you can interpret that as a craftsmanship or masterpiece, that I am God's masterpiece. You know what a masterpiece is? I got a masterpiece. This is a masterpiece. Ah, oh, a cheese grater. Uh, you know, it, but, but here's the deal. Here's what I mean by this. This thing's amazing. <laughs> you know, you got the big holes, the big slit, and then these little ones. I don't know what the slit's for, but you, you got this, this piece of metal. Do you think that some guy was just walking around his shed one day and saw something like this and goes, hmm, I know what I can do with that. I'm grate some cheese. No, that's not what happened. Someone thought ahead of time. Someone looked at the world and said, you know what the world needs? Little strips of cheese. <laughs> so this is what I'm going to do. I will craft something. I will make something, and I'll make the holes just right, and everything else, and little holes, and a slide. I know exactly what I'm going to make. And he had this idea in his mind, because he goes, okay, this will solve the world's problems. And he makes this tool. See, that's the idea of craftsmanship that God thought ahead of time. 
And that's so cool because in essence what this passage is saying is that God's going, you know what, I need this person on the earth. You know, Jeremiah, I, I, I need someone to go to Israel and tell them, you know, what a crummy job they're doing, that I'm going to destroy their temple. And he goes, because the world needs this, I'm going to make I'm going to form this person. And before this person even came out of his mother's womb, I already knew why I made him. That was so huge to me. Because it made me realize I'm not an accident. It's not like I was born and God looked down and goes, okay, there's Chinese baby six billion and four. What do I do with him? No, he thought ahead of time. There were works that needed to be done. And so he made this person. He made me. And he says, look, I have things on this earth to do. Before you came out of your mother's womb, I already laid it out. Here's what you were created to do. And no one can do it like you. Because I made you for this. Can anything else in your house grate cheese like this thing? No. I got another thing. You know what's cool? You ever, um, I'm sorry, I'm a prop guy. You guys ever use one of these. It, this is uh, the, the apple core slicer thing where you just stick it and whoo, you got sliced apples on the other side. Thank you. The whole idea. Now, the thing is, this is different from this. But here's what we do in the church. Yeah, but I can't grate cheese. Who cares? Look what you did to that apple, you know? <laughs> but we do, we start comparing, right? And we start feeling insecure, like, well, I saw what he did with cheese, you know? And it's like, don't worry about it. You, you weren't made for that. Man, I can sit here. You, you think it's easy for me to get up here? No, I, I listen to Jim Cimbalo, and I go, man, I don't have a faith like him. Man, I listened to Stephen Lungu this morning. I go, man, I've never been persecuted and suffered like him. Louis, you know, I go, I only know like two planets. You know, I can sit here <laughs> and I can compare all day long. Man, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. You know what though, I wasn't made for that. And there are things I can do that no one else on this earth can do because I am his workmanship and I was created in Christ Jesus, amen? I mean, when it comes right down to it, is this more important than this? Well, this is greater. <laughs> no, that was stupid, okay. I know, that was dumb. Okay, well, let's, let's move on, let's move on. Um, the whole idea, see, I'm funnier than those guys, though. Okay, the whole thing that God's saying was, man, I made you for this. I mean, don't you ever, haven't you ever looked in the mirror and thought to yourself, I'm so weird. <laughs> Seriously, haven't you ever had that thought where you go, you know, everyone else in the world thinks this way, then there's me. You know, everyone else does things this way, and then my mind is just so different. As, you know, when you get so insecure, and it's like, no, praise God. We, we don't need another Tony Campolo. No, I don't mean that. I don't, you guys know what I mean. I, you know, what, we could use a lot of them, but, but you know what I mean, okay? I'm taking things out of context, you know. Never mind. Okay, so, so this, this whole idea is, is that, you know, I was created uniquely. But, but my question is, do you believe that about yourself? 
Do you really believe that you were uniquely shaped? That everything that happened in your life was for a reason? All the junk from your past, whatever your upbringing was, all the experiences you went through in life, the giftedness you have, do you believe that it, it made it so that you could do things that no one on earth could do? The kitchen only needs one cheese grater. But you've got some potential, some ability, some contribution to the body that no one else has. And I tell you, that's what makes me alive in the morning, to wake up and go, okay, Lord, there's something you ordained before I was even born to do today. And so when they asked him, will you fill in for Jeffrey? He's like, of course. Of course. What did God make me to do today? What does he want me to do today that no one else could do? So God tells us, so you would think, okay, God tells Jeremiah this revelation. You would think Jeremiah, after hearing that, would go, no way. So I was made in my mother's womb for this reason. You determined beforehand that I would walk in these gifts. Man, that's what my life is about, but that's not his answer. That's not his reply. Look at verse 6. His response is, ah, sovereign Lord, I said, I don't know how to speak. I'm only a child. That's so often our response. Again, because you may sit here right now and go, okay, so God didn't mess up when he made me. He crafted me uniquely like no one else on the earth and there's work to be done and you can get fired up for a few moments but then Satan will get into your head when you leave this door, you leave this room or it's a week later, a month later and everyone in the church hates you, whatever else, you know, you go on and on and then pretty soon you go, who am I? Who do I think I am? I can't do this, I can't do that. And you start looking at yourself and you get all these insecurities of why you can't do anything great for the sake of the kingdom. Just like Jeremiah goes, come on, Lord. You called me? I'm just a kid, I don't know what to say. And so God says to them, verse seven, but the Lord said to me, do not say I'm only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. And then it says, the Lord reached out his hand, he touched my mouth and said to me, now I've put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot, to tear down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build and to plant. He says, Jeremiah, don't go tell me you're a kid. Don't tell me that I messed up when I created you. See, I, I had a false understanding of humility. When I was young in ministry, I was so arrogant, just thinking, oh, I can do anything on the great, on and on and on. And then when God humiliates me, you know, which was what he does when we get proud, then pretty soon I start learning about humility and I start walking around going, yeah, you know, I'm really a loser. There's nothing, I'm never, I really can't speak, I can't lead, I'm not gonna be a good pastor, I really can't do anything. And I thought that was humility, to walk around telling everyone what a loser I am. You know, to, to focus on all my insecurities and the things that I can't do, and then I realized, no, in reality, that's a slap in the face of God, saying, God, somehow you screwed up when you made me and I can't do anything great. I'm telling my creator that he messed up it's kind of like what Jeremiah's going, I'm just a kid. And God says, don't say that. I made you. It's like when Moses goes, I can't talk. And he goes, who made your mouth? 
Who made your mouth? So when you say that you can't do something, who are you, who are you belittling? The person who made your mouth. And to hear this and go, no, God's with me. He's appointed me. He said these things will happen. Do you believe that about yourself honestly? Do you believe that there are things you're supposed to do on this earth that no one else can do and you wake up in the morning and you pursue those things? Do you really believe that about yourself? You get fired up when you see a passage like this. Well, if not, then look at verse 17 because God has an answer for that too. Verse 17, God says to Jeremiah, he says, get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them whatever I command you. Do not be terrified by them or I will terrify you before them. (laughs) He just says, okay, you're gonna be scared to say what I've called you to say? I'll give you something to be scared about. (laughs) He goes, so just go out and do it. You better do it or else, basically, he's saying in that passage, you guys, God's called you to something. And he says, my spirit's with you. I'll enable you to do it. But you gotta do what you're called to do. Otherwise, God says, I'll terrify you before these people. Don't be scared of them. And then he says this in verse 18. Today, listen to this, because this is intense. I have made you a fortified city an iron pillar and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you, for I am with you, and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Think about that. God tells Jeremiah, he goes, I'm going to send you to the city. Okay, imagine if God said this to you. I'm gonna send you to the city, but in this city, guess what? The government's gonna be against you. The kings are gonna be against, they're gonna hate you. Not just the kings, he goes, but even the officials, even the police, the whole police department is gonna hate you when you go to this city. Not only that, but he says also the priests, the religious leaders, all the pastors are gonna hate you when you go to the city. And just in case I left anyone else out, he says, and the people of the land. (laughs) Okay, I think that covers everyone. Okay, so there might be a couple of cats that like you. You know, but it's just this whole, you're going to this city. Imagine if God told you that today. He goes, I'm gonna send you back to your home. I'm gonna send you back to your city. But things are gonna be different this time because now all the government officials are gonna be against you all the rulers of the land, all the government, all the policemen, all the pastors, all the fellow ministers, and all the people, everyone in that city. That's what he told Jeremiah. And those who know the story of Jeremiah know that he went like 30-something years without anyone converting, without anyone repenting. That's what he was called to, and God told him ahead of time, I made you for this to be rejected over and 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 over, but don't be afraid, because I'm with you. That's his promise, because I'm with you. He goes, you're gonna be like this, this wall You're gonna be like this fortress, this fortified city, an iron pillar, and you will stand against the whole land, for I am with you. Do you believe that about yourself? That you know what, you go out there, you may not get the support you thought you were gonna get, 
but God is with you. You see, what do you, what do you see when you look up here? You look up, you go, okay, he's, you know, he's coming up here, he's a pastor, a little this or that. You know what, then you have no clue what's on the stage. Because it's not about flesh and blood. It's not about the skin that you see. If that's all that was walking up in the stage, I would have been terrified to walk up here and think, why on earth am I last minute putting a message together to talk to people who've been in ministry longer than I have, many who know more than I do and have so much more life experience. I'd walk up here just going, man, I don't know. No, but that's not the truth. The truth is, is what is on the stage. The Bible says that the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in this body. That's intense. I can walk up here and go, you know what? I'm going to say stuff, and it's going to change everyone in this room. Why? Because the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead. I mean, can you imagine the power? I mean, most of us saw the passion of the Christ, and we see this dead body. Imagine how much power it took to raise that body from the grave. And the Bible says, that's inside this little body up here now. That's intense. That's huge. It's just like that illustration of, of flying because I, I told my wife one time, we were watching TV, and I go, honey, honey, do you, do you ever wonder what goes through the mind of a, a butterfly or a caterpillar? She goes, no. I go, I have. I go, think about this. You're a caterpillar. All your life, think about this, all your life you're digging around the dirt. Me, 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 me. Then one day you take a nap. <laughs> and you wake up and go, Shut up. <laughs> what goes through your mind? What are you thinking at that moment going, this isn't me, this isn't me, you're flying all these places you've never been before. I go, that's gotta be crazy for that little caterpillar. She goes, that's great, honey. You know, go back to bed. You know, it just was, no, but it, to me, I go, don't you understand? The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, and behold, new things have come. I can fly. I can do things I was never able to do before, because now the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in this body. What can't I do? I can fly. Man, and so many people go through life not even realizing that. Man, have you ever seen, you ever seen when butterflies, they, they get in the dirt and they start rolling around it and flapping their wings in the dirt? You ever seen that when a bunch of butterflies get together and do that? No? It's because they don't. I just want to see if you're going to lie about it. But, <laughs> so if anyone around you was nodding, just don't trust them about anything. But to me, that's exactly what the Christian church looks like. It's a bunch of people groveling around, a bunch of butterflies groveling around the dirt. I could never get rid of this sin. I, I've never been able to do anything great. All I've known my whole life is just, you know, this little pile of dirt here and a few leaves. And you're just looking at these butterflies going, what are you doing? Don't you understand? Yeah, you, that was the old you. The old you could never get rid of that sin. The old you could never have an impact on anyone on this planet. That was the old you until the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead came into you 
and you became a new creation? Do you leave here with that confidence going, I, I'm powerful, not because of who I am, but because who's in me right now? the Holy Spirit of God. And so I will go out there, God and I, even if my whole city is against me, you know what, it's God and I. I was made for this, and no one else on earth can do these good works that God prepared for me to do. And to go out there knowing you were uniquely created, don't compare, don't compare, okay? We don't need another cheese grater. God made you unique. Go out and do what you're created to do, no matter what comes against you. God will stand with you. You know, I, I just wanna, I wanna close my time with just praying for you right now. I, I wanna pray that you don't leave here and go, ooh, good huddle, break, see you next year. No, but you walk out here with confidence and go, that's right, I'm a new creation. I've got power in me, and I was created for this. And God knew this before he even formed me in my mother's womb. And so I'd better walk out there with confidence and power and fulfill my calling, and give him all the glory. See, that's the beautiful thing. You know my favorite compliment? Is, uh, you know, like my, my brothers and sisters will look at me and go, you? People listen to you? I love that. You know? I remember when I was introduced at my Bible college, my, my president goes, if any of you guys knew Francis in college, I don't think any of us would have thought he'd ever come back on this stage, you know? And I thought, I love that. When I planted a church, my friend from seminary goes, hey, what are you doing now? I go, I planted a church. He goes, who's the pastor? <laughs> I go, me. He goes, come on, seriously. <laughs> I love that. Because people are going, you? I want to go through my whole life. People look at me going, you? So I can look at them and go, no, not really. It's because, man, something happened to me. It's like the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead came into me and suddenly I can fly now. It makes no sense. And then who gets all the glory? God. Allow me to pray for you before we go. Father, we, we've heard such great men of God this week speaking to us. And God, it's so easy for us sometimes. I know I've done it. I walk out of a room. I just feel so inadequate, and I feel like I don't measure up, and that there's so many gifted, talented people, musicians, everyone, Father. And God, we compare, and we forget how wonderfully we were made, each of us. And so, God, I pray for everyone in this room. I thank you, Lord, they would come to a conference like this showing that they want to know your word, they want to know you. But God, I pray that they would leave here with confidence, not a desire to copy anyone, God, but with a desire to be used by you, believing that they themselves have your spirit in them. That they have the power that raised Christ from the dead living in them. God, may we leave here with that confidence and may we stand with you through all the persecution, through all the discouragement, through all the hard times, may we be reminded of why we're alive, why we're put on this earth, and may we pursue those good works and fulfill them so that one day we would all hear from you, well done. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to the Crazy Love Podcast. Join us next time for a new episode, but until then, for more resources from Crazy Love Ministries or to support the work of Crazy Love, please visit our website at crazylove.org.